Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show, and this is a podcast with a difference because I've been drinking. <laughs> And that means that uh, you're going to get a little bit of a, a raw podcast in this one. Um, so it's one with a difference, and I'll qualify it by saying that all, some, none, bits, all of it, some of it, none of it, may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think it is, and leave your comments in the comments section on the YouTube version. In fact, that's the only version of this video that uh, this podcast that goes up now. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, why am I recording this one? Why is it three o'clock in the morning and I've been drinking since, Christ, since about 11 and uh, I've had quite a few beers because um, I'd, I came across a story tonight on Sky News and uh, it kind of took me back to a place and I thought, Jesus, I could record that as a podcast. Could I record that as a podcast? <laughs> I don't, really don't know if I can. And, uh, you know, if it works, it works and it goes up. But to be honest, I'm going to listen to this one uh, tomorrow morning and uh, see whether or not it's worthy of going up as a uh, chem podcast. And if it isn't, then I'll take it down and you guys will never hear it. So this doesn't matter. But I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll put it up. I don't know. So the chewing gum's going in early, and uh, first off, actually, a big thanks to those who actually listen to these, because it, it's very few and far between. There's about 2,000 of you, I think, about 1,800 to 2,000 that actually listen to these podcasts. But if you look at the stats, there's only about 1,000 people only. <laughs> there's only about 1,000 people that actually listen to the thing all the way through, which is really interesting. And no, you can't download these now, because the website's dead. So... Uh, yeah, so, um, oh God, where do we start with this one? Uh, we, we, we start this one in the 1980s, okay, when the new world had kicked in and uh, we were, everyone was a new man, you know. Women were, were uh, dressing as the girls out of um, Duran Duran and the boys were dressing the same. And the guys were super cool, the women were super slutty, and it was just, it was a brilliant time to be alive, guys. It was just fucking brilliant. But we uh, attended a number of places, clubs, and various other places that uh, were frequented by the gay and lesbian community all right now it was it was hard to distinguish in those days actually i mean when you think about the 80s and you think about you know soft cell right i mean soft cell were gay and you know everyone everyone understood that and everyone accepted it and people People talked about it a lot in those days, and they said, um, you know, I'm going to slur my words through this. <laughs> People talked about it a lot, and they said, you know, the in thing was to say, yeah, I ain't got a problem with that. I mean, fucking hell, you know, gay, lesbian, whatever, you know, and everyone was super cool about it. Uh, or, or that was the perception that they used to give. And, uh, you know, we we quite often go at the clubs, I mean, Busters in Coventry for one. It was frequented a lot by the gay community. And, uh, you know, we'd be in there and they'd be in there and, you know, everyone was pretty cool with each other, you know. No one ever had a problem with it, except for this hardcore bunch of Neanderthal pricks that were left in the fucking 1940s or whatever. And, you know, thought that being gay was still illegal, 
and you know it was it was just it was something you ignored you know and uh i mean i didn't personally know anybody that was gay uh but i i kind of i don't know i kind of i did the cool thing you know oh yeah celavi you know it's the way you live and that's fine and let's go with it let's run with it until this happened one particular saturday afternoon very good friend of mine very good friend of mine who was called who we are going to call charlie and that isn't his real name but we are going to call him charlie and uh charlie had been what was charlie charlie was it he wasn't really a player not really sure how charlie got in with the in crowd really never was sure about that. I mean, he never got involved in any of the dodgy stuff we did. But, you know, out on a Saturday night, you guarantee Charlie would be there. And <laughs> Charlie would be with one of us. And, you know, he'd turn up and we'd just have a few drinks, a few laughs. Charlie would be the first one on the dance floor. I should have fucking seen the signs. <laughs> oh, God. But um, Char Charlie was a great lad. He was a really great lad. And uh, I, I, just, I just got on so well with him. Everyone got on well with Charlie. He was just that sort of bloke, you know. Everybody loved Charlie. He was always smiling, you know. And women loved him. And the guys all, you know, hung around with him. And I don't... I, thinking back on it now. I mean, Charlie never came... Charlie never came out to the pub with us. He never came on any jobs with us. He was never into any of the legal stuff. I, I really can't... Remember how Charlie became in with the in crowd. Bizarre. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Let me just take another swig of beer. Hold on. Ah, lovely. Okay, so um, I'm not going to edit this, by the way, so you're going to get the warts and all. So anyway, uh, Charlie was... Uh, a, a, he was just a great guy and... He came around my place on a Saturday night and uh, we hadn't seen him for about three or four weeks. And he'd phoned me first and said, uh, you're on your own. And I said, as it happens, yes, I am. <laughs> Quite unusual for a Saturday. I think I was ill, actually. Yes, I was thinking about it. I was ill because Charlie came round and I was in a dressing gown and uh, he, he sat down and we cracked a beer. And he said, uh, I've come out to my parents. And I was like, you've come out what? <laughs> Talk about being slow on the uptake. And he said, uh, I've, I've come out, you know, I'm, I'm gay. And I was like, fuck off. And he said, seriously, seriously, Ken, I'm gay. You know, I, I, I prefer me. In other words, in other words, you're a bit confused, mate. But no, Ken, I fucking ain't confused. I am gay. Said right, okay. I think I'll go and get a bottle of scotch. <laughs> so I went in the kitchen, got a bottle of scotch out of the kitchen, and I brought two glasses with me, and I put them on the on the uh, coffee table. And I poured one for me, one for him. I said, okay, tell me about it. And he went on to explain to me how uh, 
through his school years, you know, he he kind of felt that he knew. And uh, after he left school, he uh, he met up with a guy, and him and this guy got pretty close. There was a sexual relationship there, and then uh, after that, uh, this this guy had basically just completely done done the dirty on him and dumped him, and he'd gone into a big depression about it, but. Uh, He'd, he'd come out the other side of it and got into a number of other relationships since then, had a number of one-night stands. And I'm sitting there thinking, am I seriously fucking hearing what I'm hearing? Jesus Christ, this is Charlie. The boys are going to kill him. And I, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I honestly didn't know what to say. I mean, it's great. It's great sitting there, sitting back and saying, Oh yeah, you know I'm a new man. You know I'm really down with the the whole gay thing. I haven't really got problem with it, you know, and all the rest of it. Until you are sat there talking to a gay man about a gay relationship, I felt fucking uncomfortable. I seriously felt uncomfortable, and I I, I really didn't want to have the conversation. I mean, I, I thought I was okay with it. Uh, I mean, I'm not really, I was never a kind of, you know, in those days, especially, I was never really into emotional stuff, you know, I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, it was like, fuck them, duck them and leave them, you know, in, the, in those days. And, you know, if they came back to you crying the day after, you laugh in the face, you know, now, I know, I know it's been a bastard, but I just couldn't, couldn't get my head around the fact that Charlie was gay. And then I thought about it. And I thought, yeah. Do you know what? It makes fucking sense. It just it just completely makes sense that Charlie's gay. And as soon as he said it, I could see it in him. But until he'd said it, I don't think I would. And that's bizarre, because I think I read people quite well. So anyway, we sat um we sat for the best part of 3 maybe 4 hours. We sank the bottle of scotch. Charlie stayed at my place and uh, on the sofa, obviously. And I, I went to bed and uh, I was really fucking uncomfortable about Charlie being in my flat. Following morning, like there's a, a load of the boys. I wake up, there's a load of the boys in the flat and fucking let themselves in, bastards. And... Uh, you know, they're, they're drinking my coffee, they're making bacon sandwiches on, you know. <laughs> I've never got anything in my fridge, so they would always stop at the shop on the way, get some um, some uh, rolls, uh, some butter and some bacon. <laughs> make bacon sandwiches. Anyway, they're all in there. And I get woken up by, uh, a, in fact, I think if I remember correctly, it was a glass of cold water being thrown at me. And uh, it was like, wake up, you fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ, what is that? So I, I woke up and uh, I sat in the bed, actually, lit myself a fag. And I got a coffee. One of the boys made me a coffee. And I sat there just looking at my wall, just just trying to comprehend the conversation I'd had the night before and thinking fucking hell 
I can't I can't believe it. Why why has he done this to me? Why has he fucking come out to me when there's a dozen other people he he could have done this to? Why has he done this to me? And I, I got up, put some clothes on, went in the, the lounge. Sure enough, the boys are in there eating bacon sandwiches and uh, watching MTV, which is what it did in those days. And, uh, you know, all talking about, you know, the Norton County, you all right now? You know, and I was like, yeah, I think it was a 24-hour bug thing, but, yeah, I'm pretty much okay. And, ah, uh, oh, it's all right, I'm sure. So Charlie kept you company, and uh, I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> they were like, nothing, why? Oh, no, no, it's all right. <laughs> I was so taken aback by it all. Oh, Charlie was sat in the corner. Didn't say a fucking word to anybody. Anybody. And uh, he left the flat uh, sometime mid-morning. Um, some of the boys left. Uh, I went with a couple of the guys because we had some work to do. So uh, we went down to the garage and... Uh, Picked up some details on a car that needed to be repoed, so we went out and did that. And I, all the time, I was so fucking distracted by by what Charlie had told me, and I was I was really disappointed in myself. I was so disappointed in myself because I'd kind of put out this persona of being this new man, and you know, oh, I can handle it and sell a V and all the rest of it. And I, when it came to it. I was lying to myself. I was just fucking lying to myself. So probably, I don't know, maybe a week went by, somewhere near there, and uh, I hadn't seen or heard from Charlie at all. And uh, I should have fucking phoned him. I didn't phone him. I didn't get in touch with him. And then I got a phone call about a week later. And Charlie said, uh, look, you know, I'm sorry, Ken. I, I freaked you out. And... Uh, you know, I'm just I'm just out there, you know, I don't know what to do at the moment, I don't know what to say, don't know what to think. My parents fucking hate me, my brother hates me, my sister hates me, and you know, I was like, Oh fucking hell. I knew his mum and dad, you know. I knew his sister. I didn't know his brother very well, but I knew his sister. His brother had gone off to university, it was a bit of a posh twat. But I uh, I knew his sister quite well. She was alright. She's quite a game girl actually, her and her mates. Often met them in the nightclubs. And uh, anyway, I, d I didn't, you know, I just I just said to Charlie, look, I'm sorry, mate, but, I, you know, I reacted badly to it and I should have been more supportive. And, uh, you know, I, I just I just need to get my head around it and I'll be OK. And he was like, yeah, fine, that's that's great. That's not a problem. That night, me and the boys go out. And we do Busters, and we do Park Lane, and we do, you know, every nightclub in Coventry, basically. And uh, I bump into his sister. Uh, that was a hiccup there, by the way, because I had been drinking. I did say that. And his sister came up, and she she had a bit of a chat and said, you know, I'll... Um, you know, uh, I, I said to her, you're all right. She said, you know, well, I've been better... And I said, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Charlie spoke to me. And she was like, fucking up, you know, she she absolutely freaked. You haven't told anybody, you haven't told anybody, have you? Oh, my God, you haven't told anybody. 
I was like, oh, fucking hell. No, no, I haven't. I think... Actually, I just remembered her name, and I was, was going to say her name, then I won't. I'll call her Elaine, all right? Let's call her Elaine. So um, I, said, I said to her, no, Elaine, no. I haven't fucking told anybody. I can barely get my head around it myself. And uh, she was really freaked out by it. She didn't know how her friends were going to respond to it. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. And she said, like, he keeps coming to me for advice, you know, and I, I, I really don't know what to tell him. And I, I, I then made a mistake, I think. I think it was anyway. I said to her, look, what you want to tell him is if that's who he is, then that's who he is. Don't hide from it. Don't run away from it. If people can't accept it, that's their fucking problem. He is what he is. And that was it. That was the that was the conversation we had. A couple of days later, got a phone call from Charlie. Can I meet him for a drink? It's like, yeah, sure. And that day, I'd had maybe three or four phone calls from various people. And obviously, he come out. And he was, uh, these people were saying, Christ, you heard about Charlie? He's only a fucking bender. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, is he? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's a fucking shirtlifter, mate. He's up the, he's up the arses. Yeah, he pots the brown. No, I've got the whole thing. The whole day, I've got the whole thing. And obviously, and whether or not it was through my advice, through Elaine, or what, he decided to go public. And everybody knew about it. I mean, everyone in our circle knew about it. It just seemed like he might as well place an ad in the fucking paper, you know. Everybody knew. So I went for a drink with him. And uh, I met him uh, at a, uh, a wine bar. Now, wine bars were not where gay people hung out, but they were wine bars were new in those days. Our local bank had turned into a wine bar and a lot of people were drinking in wine bars. So uh, I was in the wine bar. He ordered a bottle of wine. We sat there with two glasses, a bottle of wine, chatting away. And he told me how great he felt. He told me how, uh, because of what I'd said to his sister, um, she'd agreed with me that the best thing he could do was come out. His mum had um, started to accept who he was and what he is. His dad was still coming to terms with it, although his dad was trying to be very, very supportive. And uh, kudos for him for that, really, because he was a he was a like you know big hairy ass fucking steel worker. So you know you kind of expect him to be uh, quite anti, but no, it was it was really. Um, it was really quite supportive, and that did surprise me. But uh, he felt good, and that was the main thing about the whole situation, was that he felt good. He was good in his own skin. And as he said to me, that was the first time he could remember where he'd actually felt good in his own skin. So we had a few beers. We had a few glasses of wine, actually. And... Uh, I finally, I think, finally understood 
what it was like to have a gay friend. Because you you shouldn't feel threatened. There's no need to feel threatened. And sexually, I'd felt threatened by having a gay friend. That he'd jump me. That he'd want to be with me. And I was, you know, I'm, having like spoken to a, various gay friends I've had since him, um, <laughs> they've all been the same, you know. Like, oh yeah, you should be so fucking lucky. <laughs> what makes you attractive, mate? <laughs> What, just because you're a bloke, you think you're going to get jumped on? So, you know, he, he obviously had better taste than to come near somebody like me. And so we laughed about it, we joked about it, and we had a fucking good night, you know. It was great, it was really great. We laid cards on the table, and I said to him, you just so fucking freaked me out. And he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I was, I was making all the Barbara Streisand jokes and... Oh dear, we uh, we just had a really good night. Okay, more beer, hold on. I'm not going to cut this, I'm not going to edit this. You're going to get it raw, mate. Right, so. We'd had this great night. Now my flat, those of you who, who have read these or listened to these podcast stories before, will know that my flat was pretty much five minutes away from the city centre. So I said to him, so what are you doing? You you going home? You going to taxi or are you going to stay at mine? He said, well, I'll stay at yours, but only as long as you don't sexually assault me. And I was like, oh, you fuck off. <laughs> so we left the uh, we left the bar. And uh, to get back to my flat, we had to walk through the lower level of a multi-story car park. And as we're walking through there, there's a group of lads and there must have been six, seven of them. And, um, I mean, I knew these lads, you know, uh, these lads were, you know, very, very small time guys. They, they weren't big time. (laughs) They weren't even at our level, you know, and as me and Charlie are walking through this car park, they started to shout abuse. And I turned around and went, are you fucking serious? And they went, oh, look, there's Ken and his boyfriend. Oh, benders together. (laughs) I was absolutely gobsmacked. They wouldn't have fucking dared talk to me like that. But all of a sudden, because Charlie was gay, they thought they had carte blanche to go and, like, talk to us in that tone. And I was amazed. I was absolutely amazed. And for a second, I actually thought, Jesus Christ, does being associated with Charlie now bring me down the social ladder? I mean, am I lower than these piece of shits that are abusing me? And I stopped and I looked at them. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Do you really want to go there? And one of them said, well, I'm sure you've been there. Oh, yeah, up Charlie's ass. And I just said to them, we're going to be talking again, boys, real soon. Charlie walked off. And we still got abuse as we walked off. And we went back uh, to, to my place, and Charlie was clearly fucking upset. And we were going to have a beer and, a, you know, chat, and a, he just said, you know, Fuck it, I, you know, I've got to 
can I take the spare room? Like, I've, I've just got to sleep this off. So I let him sleep it off. And uh, as I'm sat in my bed, Charlie's, uh, the spare room to my flat was across the corridor. I could hear the guy crying, you know. Oh, no, no, you can look at that. So, well, you know, he's a bender. Of course he was crying. He's a fucking girl. I don't know. Charlie was a tough old hombre, I thought. Tougher than that, anyway. Next morning, I woke up. Charlie's not there. And uh, a couple of the boys came round. A lot of the boys came round. And they were saying, well, fucking hell, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I said, yeah, I was out drinking with him last night. And they they were like, fucking hell, what? I mean, Christ, you know. And there was a lot of sympathy for Charlie, you know. There was a lot of sympathy. We weren't fucking pricks. We weren't Neanderthals. And, uh, you know, we we kind of... We kind of not understood, but we'd known him long enough. He was a friend of ours, for fuck's sake. And we we sympathised. We, we we didn't pretend to understand what he was going through, but we sympathised and empathised with him. I think, and that that's the only way I can describe it. Anyway, me and the boys went out. Uh, that night, no sign of Charlie. But he only ever come out on Saturday nights. But, uh, and this was the Sunday. And we went to a couple of the clubs we went to, usual clubs. And uh, we were coming out of one of these places. And one of these dickheads that we'd kind of bumped into the night before in the car park. And I was like, I told the boys about this. And they said, fucking hell, they've got a death wish, haven't they? So, well, yeah, apparently they think they've got full permission to fucking abuse me because I know somebody who's gay. So, anyway, we bumped into one of these dickheads. He was in the queue waiting to get in the club. And uh, I just, I was happy to walk past him. Right? I, didn't want to, I didn't want to kick anything off. You know, not there. Not with 50 people in a queue waiting to get into a nightclub. We walked past him, went to get back towards my flat and I heard him say what's up Ken no boyfriend tonight as he stood you up and I lost it I can name three occasions in my life where I've lost it that was one of them I launched at him and started punching him in the head he saw the launch coming and put his hands over his head, over his face like a boxer. And I was punching him in the back of his head, in his hands, in his body. He was on the floor. I was just punch after punch after fucking punch. I was, I was laying into the guy like, I mean, I can't even describe it. You know, it was, um, I lost it, you know, I lost it. I, I'm, I've always been one for self-control. And that day, I lost control. I lost absolute and total fucking control. And I beat the living shit out of this guy. The bouncers just looked on. It was outside the club. They didn't give a fuck. It's not their problem. And uh, the guys I was with, 
just kept everyone else back and let me get on with it. And the, he was saying something, something about joking. I mean, I would imagine he was saying I was only joking or whatever. Didn't really matter, you know. I beat the shit out of him. And I must have been at him for a good five minutes. And he didn't get a single punch back. And uh, one of the guys said, come on, Ken, he's, that's enough now. And he, he took me off the guy. And the guy lifted his head. He was on his hands and he just lifted his head. And I ran back at him and kicked him in the face. I've never done that well. Have I ever done that? Maybe once. But I, I would never do that to somebody normally. But I seriously rearranged that guy's face. And uh, we then left. And <laughs> the message had gone out, I think, that you say something like that to me and there's going to be a fucking problem. We didn't hear from Charlie for a good two or three weeks. And uh, the next time we heard anything about him was when we met up with Elaine. And Elaine said that uh, Charlie had gone north to stay with a relative and he was gonna he was gonna keep a low profile for a while because he's uh, he, he was struggling not with not with what was happening with him but the way that other people were treating him he was struggling with that quite badly and uh in the nightclub were the uh group of guys and in particular the guy that i kicked the shit out of and we're stood at the bar and I'm talking to Elaine. This guy comes up and he apologised and said, you know, uh, I should have known better, you know, I'm, re I'm really sorry and all this sort of stuff. And he's, he's still had a rearranged face. I mean, two weeks after, you know, and the guy's still got a rearranged face. And he got a couple of his friends stood with him and they're going, yeah, sorry, sorry, Ken, you know, it was, it was sorry, you know. And, you know, it shouldn't have happened. We, we were just, like, caught up in the moment and all this stuff. And, um... I, don't, I never do this. I never did this. I said to all of these guys, you are all due a smack in the mouth. And you can take it voluntarily... Or you can take it by surprise. You even think about raising your fists when this happens. And we will destroy you. Easy as that. And then I, I walked away from these guys. Left them absolutely shitting themselves. And the guys I was with, of course... You know, I mean, we, it was the type of people we were. We didn't, we didn't fucking sit there and make idle threats. If we said something, we had, we did it. And uh, like, if if one of my mates had said to somebody, you know, at some point you're going to get a smack in the mouth, mate, and then I was the first person to see the guy, I'd be the guy that smacked him in the mouth because we were, we were, we were just like one group of guys. So, slowly but surely, over the, 
over the next few days, week, these guys all got what was coming to them and they got taught a lesson. Even the guy that I'd uh, had the fight with, he had to step up as well and they argued the fuck and said, like, I've already had mine. And uh, it was a mate of mine that did him. And, you know, they were just like, how fucking dare you guys? How dare you say something like this <laughs> to any of us? Who the fuck do you think you guys are? And they were all taught the valuable lesson that uh, they richly deserved. One of these guys had a brother who uh, wasn't happy about the fact that his little brother had been smacked and was making all sorts of idle threats. And we basically said, you know, we, we well, you know, if that's the situation, mate, we'll meet you anytime, anywhere, just name the place, we'll get it over with. We're not into things dragging out, you know. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Let's get it fucking done. Let's pick a car park and just do it. And... Uh, it wasn't me, it was one of the other guys that took him on and beat the living fuck out of him as well. And then, you know, at the end of that, he told the guy, by the way, do you know what your brother had said to deserve this kicking? And the guy <laughs> was all fucking apologetic after that. Charlie came back a couple of months after this all kicked off. And uh, said he was happy. He was um, starting a whole new life. He lived in um, he lived in um, Newcastle for a while with a relative, but he was going down to Brighton with a friend. And uh, his friend had got a place down there. They they got jobs in bars. And I I'd, I tried to say to him, look, Charlie, you don't have to leave if you leave these fucking ignorant pricks are going to think they've won and they've driven you out but he was adamant that the only thing he wanted to do was to smile he'd spent too many years frowning too many years crying and the only thing he wanted to do was smile and that meant going to a place where people really understood and there were people like him that he could relate to. And you can blame him for that. He thanked me for what I'd done for him. Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know to this day whether or not I did the right thing. But... he The last I heard... He was doing okay. You know, he was doing okay. I just... It felt to me as though the guy had put his life in my hands. And I truly felt like I let him down. And I never got over that. Never did. I don't know why. Looking at it now, explaining it to you guys now, I'm not sure if I let him down. Maybe I should have just ignored the hate and just fucking walked away from it. Maybe that would have been the better way to go. 
but instead it was reputations had to be upheld people had to learn their place and therefore I still don't know if it was the right thing I hate that now I just hate that you know I've got a I mean a couple of times um, since I've overreacted to uh, people queer bashing for want of a better word and uh, I think it's it's probably because of Charlie. I remember a mate of mine actually introduced me to uh, two girls and said, uh, oh, but this was in a club years later. He said, um, oh, I don't even think about it, Ken, they're lesbians. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, okay. And uh, uh, I got my drink and I, they were like, well, you know, aren't you going to ask us any questions? Why would I ask you any questions? <laughs> oh, well, most people we meet up and that's like comes out in conversation. Uh, usually they're just full of questions. Really? Oh, t well, to be frank, who you are is who you are. You know, I'm more interested in you as a person than you as a, a fucking sexual target. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself through Charlie. A couple of the the, the uh, girls we were hanging with, hanging around with at the time as well. They they were giving it all the oh yeah we knew we knew they didn't fucking know it was bollocks. But I think they were quite disappointed that they didn't know, which is why they were lying about it. Charlie was uh, Charlie was a great guy. And why do I use the word was? Charlie got stabbed in uh, 1989 in Brighton. He um, he his body was brought back for the funeral, and I went to the funeral. I never saw him, you know, from from the time he went to Brighton to uh, to uh, the t the day of his funeral. Do you know there were over a hundred and fifty people at that funeral? Hundred and fifty people. I doubt even today that many had attended mine. He was a really popular guy. Um, but you know I do so the good die young I remember uh, talking to Elaine uh, at the wake and uh, she, she was God she was in bits never quite seen anybody like that she just kept asking why but I mean not only to me but to to everybody at the wake why why did it have to happen why 
No one could answer her. I fucking hate people that bash gays. Just... It, it just... Angers me. So much. And I think the reason why it angers me so much... Is guilt. Maybe... I could have done more for Charlie. Maybe... I could have helped out more. Maybe... Maybe... Fucking maybe. I don't know. If I was presented with that situation today, would I do any different? Sometimes you get older, but none the wiser, I think. I had gay friends after Charlie. Um, I mean, I spent a little bit of time roadieing for a band. And uh, a couple of the guys in the band were gay. God, we had some fucking corking parties. <laughs> oh... It's, I think the lesson of this, the moral of this, is it's, it's really easy to say, yeah, I'm okay with that, yeah, I'm okay with this, and, you know, until you're confronted with it, you don't really know. And I didn't really know. And I think the guilt comes from the fact that I was pretending to be someone that I wasn't even though I thought I was if that makes sense and it took Charlie to prove that I needed to rethink I think out of the um, I can name five people who have made a very serious difference in my life and the very serious serious difference in the way that I think about things and Charlie was one of them. Great guy. I'm out. Guys, leave your comment in the comment section as usual. And uh, I'll see you on the dark side. Take care. Oh, I don't, I'm, apologies if I was um, slightly uh, a little bit inebriated when I told this one. Um, but it just it just reminded me of it when I saw this thing on Sky News. And I just thought... You know, if anyone can learn anything from these things, they can learn something from that. Jesus. I'm out. You guys take care. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Shutting down all systems.